So I'm sure you've all been to uh, a, a party, a gathering of folks where you're having fun and someone breaks out a, an icebreaker game kind of thing where they ask you, you know, name the top three people live, uh, living or dead that you would, you would most want to meet. Uh, right? You play those games. You know what I'm talking about? Who goes on your list? And, you know, as Christians, we have to put Jesus on the top and <laughs> maybe you pick uh, the Apostle Paul or something uh, as number two. But setting aside those two most obvious examples, uh, who would you pick? Who do you who do you want to meet? Who do you want to sit down with? If you had time to spend uh, an hour or two talking to someone from history, uh, like, like I said, someone current, someone in the past. Well, one of mine has always been Alexander the Great. Something about his uh, life just intrigues me, and I would love to be able to talk with him and observe him and uh, just see see what was going on in this very young man's life who conquered the world. Uh, he was brave, uh, lots of, and, and he studied under Aristotle, so there's just a lot of reasons that I'm intrigued by uh, Alexander the Great. Another one would be probably the top three, or at least close, is Solomon himself. As we wrap up this uh, study of Ecclesiastes, uh, this man experienced so much. He learned a lot, some of it from making horrible mistakes. He also was given directly from God great wisdom. And my question is, as we move toward a conclusion here is, do we seek out people who are wise? Are they the ones that we want to learn from? spend time with? Do you know some wise people? And do you seek them out for coffee, for a meal, ask questions? Uh, It's important. And then let me flip that around a little bit. Are you a wise person? And are you willing to share that wisdom with others? We're going to talk about that uh, as we finish up this book this morning. Welcome, everyone. See some folks checking in here. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Carol. Curtis, good to have you all with us this morning. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a fun study as we wrap this up here. Um, I want to just put up Carol's comment here at the beginning. Thank you, Doug, for continuing to use the gift God has given you to build up the body of Christ. What a blessing you are. Ecclesiastes is such an amazing scripture. Have learned much. Well, praise the Lord for that. Thank you for the encouragement. And I agree. Ecclesiastes is, is a great study. If you're new with us, my name is Doug and, uh, we meet here Monday through Friday, 730 AM to really dig into the word. I want to help you know the word and I want to help you learn how to study the word because it's the word of God. Uh, joined with his spirit that uh, renews our minds so we can be transformed and not conformed to this world. So that's what we do here. Glad you're with us and come back uh, Monday. We start a new series. More about that a little bit later. All right. Well, today's a good day. Not just because it's Friday. For some of you, this is not the end of the work week. It's just Friday, but it's a good day. So we're going to declare that aloud together. You ready? You got your part. I'll say mine and then you say yours. Today is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice. And if you have your coffee with you, which I hope you do, then let us taste and see that the Lord is good. Ah, so good. So good. So we're 
doing sort of a postlude here of Ecclesiastes. Uh, The book was concluded with uh, verses 13 and 14 of chapter 12 last night, but there's a couple verses toward the end of chapter 12 that I I skipped right over because I want to use it to kind of draw some application for us. So let's take a look at uh, at this section. This may have been written by an editor rather than uh, Solomon himself. We don't know um, because of the way it's worded, but it could be just Solomon's choice of uh, wrapping things up. Verse 9 says, In addition to being a wise man, the preacher, that's Solomon, remember that's what he uh, was called at the beginning of the book, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. So just catch a couple things here. In addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. Now what am I stressing there? Solomon received this wisdom from the Lord, and as we have observed throughout this book, he has been intentional to seek out more wisdom. So he he received wisdom from the Lord, but then he put that wisdom to use, and he searched basically every aspect of life to see what is lasting, what is purposeful, uh, what really works very pragmatically. And how does this fit in the larger scheme of life? And, and so he, he explored folly, he explored uh, wisdom, he explored pleasure and, uh, you know, wine and, and all those things. And, and women, of course, and, and building things, constructing things, being productive, all of this stuff. And he really applied it. So he became even wiser because of the wisdom he'd been given. He used it to become wiser, which is, which is wonderful. But then the, the writer here says he taught people knowledge. He didn't keep that wisdom to himself. He taught others. So a point of application for all of us is twofold. Are we becoming wise, wiser? Are you becoming wiser? If you've been with us through this study, you should be wiser. This book is the wisest man who ever lived writing down wisdom. And then, of course, there's the entire book of Proverbs. He wrote it down. We have at our fingertips, on our phones, in hundreds of versions, we have wisdom from the wisest man who ever lived. We should be wiser people. We should be becoming wiser people uh, day in and day out. But when we accumulate that wisdom, We need to give it to others. We need to be willing to teach others. You don't have to have a a YouTube channel like this and sit uh, in in a formal setting. You don't have to teach in a Sunday school class or or preach, that kind of thing. But giving that wisdom to others, it's not intended to be kept to ourselves. It's intended to be taught. Are you hesitant to teach others? I've known some pretty wise people in my lifetime who are so shy about it, so careful. They they don't want to intrude. They don't want to seem arrogant. Uh, They basically don't instruct unless asked their opinion. And that that seems humble maybe, but maybe it's not. Or maybe it's fear. Maybe it's... uh, intimidation, I don't know. But if you have wisdom, if you have knowledge, there are other people who need that knowledge. 
Now, of course, we can, we can think we have knowledge that we don't have, and, and we do want to be humble about it. But if you are skilled in something, if you have knowledge of something, if you're aware of something, there are other people that don't have that, and they need it. Um, it and you're, you're not being humble if you truly are knowledgeable in an area to act like you're not. So my undergraduate degree is in music, and I studied uh, classical guitar, and I understand music theory pretty well, and I'm a proficient guitar player. If I just walk around and someone, you know, asks me about music, and I, oh no, no, I don't, I don't know anything about music. I, you know, I, I just throw a couple chords together now and now and again, and sometimes they just happen to stick. Uh, that's that's just wrong. Uh, that that's not being truthful. By studying and practicing, I have gained a certain proficiency in music and guitar that most people in the world don't have. Now, there are millions probably of musicians who excel me at guitar playing and at understanding of music. So I should be humble enough to say, yeah, I'm not in the top 1% of the world for sure. But when you think about how many people have never truly studied music, and they, they do learn a few chords to, to lead music on Sunday morning or just to enjoy, I excel them, not because I'm particularly um, skilled inherently, but I, I applied myself and I learned it. You have skills. You have knowledge. You have understanding that I don't have in areas that you have applied yourself to. I can benefit from that. Others can benefit from that. And you're not being humble by keeping that all to yourself. So I challenge you, what areas of life are you more wise than some others and more knowledgeable than some others? And are there people that could benefit from what you have learned? I bet there, there are. And if you're, not, if you're not readily willing to give that knowledge out, I want to challenge you. Be a little bit more like Solomon here uh, to not only become wise, but to teach others. I, was, I, I can't see these words, wisdom and knowledge, without thinking of the, uh, the classic uh, illustration of this, the difference between knowledge and wisdom. You know what that is, right? Uh, knowledge is knowing that tomatoes are fruit, and wisdom is knowing that you shouldn't put them in a fruit salad. <laughs> I love that. So whatever you have knowledge of, give it away. Give it to others. And notice he says, the preacher here, he pondered, he searched out, he arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. Again, I'm challenged by that. He knew a lot, he learned a lot, and he gave lots of consideration to how to articulate what he knew. He, that's why we have the book of Proverbs. Uh, that's not just the Holy Spirit dumping into Solomon's mind uh, words and, and they just kind of fell out of Solomon without any effort on his part. That's not how inspiration worked. Uh, Solomon took this wisdom and he thought carefully about life, as we said, and then how to tell us how to learn from that. So when he uses all those rich metaphors, the, the idea of the, uh, the lazy man who, who sticks his hand in, uh, into the bowl to get food and, 
And then he starves to death because he's too lazy to, to bring it up to his mouth. That picture sticks with you. That was a, an effective illustration. Of course, the go to the ant, oh sluggard. Uh, that one just that one just sticks, and probably there are many more in, in your own mind. But even the ones that are less uh, uh, photogenic, less, less um, you know, picturesque, uh, but the, the trust in the Lord in all your ways, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I, I missed it, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's what it is. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. That's, that sticks with us. Uh, he does use some, some visual language there. Lean not on your own understanding. That's like having a cane that you use to support yourself. Well, don't support yourself with your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. And he will make your paths straight. If you're trying to get somewhere, you want a straight path without obstacles. Well, the Lord will do that. Well, Solomon thought carefully about how to articulate those truths so that we can remember them and learn from them. You will come to grasp the things that you know far better if you will take some time to formulate words and images that communicate it. Simple, uh, again, uh, visual kinds of things that stick in people's heads. Uh, See what I said there? That stick in people's heads. That's just part of our common nomenclature today. But something that sticks, something that, that has glue on it that just, just sticks to people's heads. That's an illustration. That's a metaphorical word that, that uh, you know, we grab these, these object lessons from other things in the world and we, we attach them to our, uh, to our truth and it helps people remember. So think about things that you know well, skills, knowledge that you have. Can you put them in words and visual illustrations that will help someone else? You need to do that. We need, there are people in your life, there are people younger than you in the faith, younger than you in life, that need to hear from you and they need to be taught. So give thought to how you can carefully and truthfully communicate uh, your words. He goes on here and says, the words of wise men are like goads. They're like goads. You know what a goad is? It's uh, what you use to poke and prod oxen. I pulled up a picture here because I needed to have a visual in my head. This is a goad. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you'll just have to look it up on your own. But it's this this long, um, well, it's not that long. Uh, This looks to me like it's probably four, five, six feet long, maybe. A stick with a sharp point on the end and a hook with a sharp point. And it's the kind of thing that you can poke these massive animals, these beasts, these oxen, and get them to move along. And you can... Uh, I guess, hook around their neck with that hook part and move them in the direction. The idea is these beasts are much bigger than you, massive animals, but you can move them forward or move them in the direction you want to go with this sharp, pointy thing. (laughs) And that's what Solomon says, the words of wise men are like. So you and I, we're the, we're the oxen, right? We're the, we're the, uh, we're, we're the big beasts that need to be uh, moved. And, uh, and the words of wise men can take us, we think of sort of these dumb, dumb ox, <laughs> dumb animals that kind of want to go where they want to go. And the words of the wise can move us uh, a certain direction. So you need wisdom 
and you need to be that ox goad for others. So study Proverbs, study Ecclesiastes, study the word of God and let those words poke you to move you somewhere. And then you be the poke. You be annoying once in a while. You you be the one that keeps uh, jabbing just a little bit into to a, a animal's side and moving them along. Uh, Curtis says, Shamgar's favorite tool. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So he says, the words of the wise men are like goads and masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. You see how he's carefully using words that will stick uh, a well-driven nail. If you're building a house or any kind of construction, uh, a well-driven nail goes in the right spot to keep two pieces of lumber secure. If you're off just a little bit, if you miss the target altogether, then there's no stability at all. Uh, the structure's going to fall apart. If you put it too close you know, to the end, it can split and fall apart. You want it placed in the right location to hold those things uh, together. Uh, Lon here says, I know a man, a man I know is writing his memoir from the perspective of glorifying God with both his accomplishments and his failures. That's great. And people can read that and learn. We, we tend to think, oh, I want the memoir of somebody famous. You know, we like celebrities. We're, we're a culture that moves around celebrities. But just a wise person is worth learning from. Speaking of wise people, here's my Aww, wife popping in to say. That's so nice. <laughs> Happy Friday, everybody. I just imagine what the people listening think when they can't see you. Anyway, this is my <laughs> wife. She's on her way to work and she's saying goodbye. Mwah. Have a good day. You too. Uh, yeah, whether you write it in a whole book or not, leave some wisdom, but don't wait till you're at the end. Uh, share it with people. That's good. Very good. So the well-driven nail, uh, the preacher says. Where am I? Okay, verse 12. Oh, no, I skipped a verse. So the, the words of the wise men are like goads. The masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. That's God. When Solomon writes, he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need to spend time in the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. But beyond this, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless. And excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. Now, some of you, that's a little, uh, that's a little frustrating. We like books. Some of us love to read. I've got shelves. You can see some in the background. I've got another one over here, shelves of books. And uh, I used to have a whole lot more. Um, we like to read. And nowadays, not only can you get physical, you know, tangible books, but there's so much reading to do on the, uh, on the internet. Um, the free books, there's some great collections of ancient books, of older books, of books from the medieval, medieval period. There's lots of Christian literature. There's a, a site called um, the Christian Classics Ethereal Library, ccel.org, I believe. You can read all the church fathers. You can read so many. You, you, you won't be able to read all the resources that are on that uh, website, and they're all free. Solomon here warns us about reading too many books rather than reading the words of wisdom from the one shepherd. I think this is something we always have to be on guard against. Uh, it is, for some reason, easier to read the books of men, the words of men, than to read the word of God. I, I find that 
in a lot of people. That's one of the reasons we're, we're doing these studies. I don't, I don't want to replace your personal reading here, but I, I, you know, I pastored for over 25 years and a lot of people would say, I just, I don't understand it. I, I read it and I kind of get something, but then, you know, when preachers preach, they, they can get so much more out of it. And, and I, I can't, well, some of that is, is true. Uh, some of us have a gift of teaching and along with that, I think is usually the gift of study where we have the ability to draw out things there that not everyone can see and then hopefully articulate them in a way that is beneficial. So, uh, you know, this is, this is good for us to find teachers. Um, and, and so we should do that. But sometimes it's not only a matter of gifting. Sometimes we frankly are just more interested or we're willing to put in more work to read the words of men than to read, read the words of God. And we need to be careful uh, Solomon describes it here. It's wearying. It's, writing of all these books can be excessive. And, and I'm not suggesting, and I don't think Solomon says, we shouldn't read other men's writings. We learn from that. The, the memoir that uh, Lon was talking about. We can, we can learn from others. Like I'm saying, I think we're supposed to share what we know. But we should always be reading more and drawing more out from God's word than from the words of men. And so be careful. Maybe, maybe take stock of your time spent reading things that are not the Word of God compared to the time you spend reading the Word of God and see if that proportion is a wise one. And if not, make an adjustment. Uh, Do the work. Spend some time to really grow in the knowledge of, of the things of God. Well, that's all I had to say for Ecclesiastes. I said in the comment there, if you want to uh, ask any questions about Ecclesiastes, I would be happy to entertain those for a few minutes. Um, if you have questions or if, if not questions, I would be curious to know, is there something, is there one thing that's going to stay with you from our study of Ecclesiastes? Uh, some passage, some truth, something that kind of was an aha for you through this study. Um, so I'm going to uh, give you a moment here or two to, to formulate some thoughts, any, anything that, uh, any questions, anything that just really captures uh, your attention from the study of Ecclesiastes. I'd be curious to know if this is the first time for any of you, first time really digging into the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, or if none of that, if you have just a question about anything, <laughs> um, we got a little time here. I'm happy to, uh, to entertain uh, those questions. By the way, while you're writing and formulating those, I uh, saw your poll responses. Thank you yesterday. We are going to start on Monday a study of the New Testament book of Philippians. So if you want to jump ahead and read Philippians, that would be a useful thing to do this weekend, or at least uh, the first chapter. Uh, It's another joyful book. There's some great stuff in there. And uh, either Monday or Tuesday, I haven't decided yet, uh, but one of those days, I'm going to ruin one of your favorite verses. That's right. There is a verse in the early part of Philippians that you've probably held on to as a promise that you've seen on coffee cups and, uh, and plaques, and you've heard uh, preachers use it to encourage, and uh, almost everybody takes it out of context. So you have that to look forward to. You, to. Um, uh, it's uh, <laughs> something for you to, to get excited about as I ruin one of your favorite verses. Uh, Lon says, I regret I will not be able to join the live sessions for the rest of the month as Kim and I are heading to an earlier time zone. Ha! 
Well, hmm. Get up earlier. No, no. Have a Merry Christmas. Great to, uh, great to have you with us during this, uh, this time, Lon. Um, well, I'm not seeing any questions or comments. I'll give you just another moment here. I don't uh, want to throw something out there like that and then uh, not give you time, but uh, I don't want to take up time if you don't have more either. Um, anyway, I think Philippians will be great. It's a New Testament book. It's, uh, it, like I said, so encouraging. The Apostle Paul there says some amazing things uh, as he's writing from a, a difficult place, and it's a good, it will be a good, uh, timely discussion for us as we uh, continue to wonder what in the world is going on in our culture. All right, folks. Well, have a great Friday. Uh, it is a good day, and I pray that our time spent here in Ecclesiastes will fill you with um, more wisdom to learn uh, how to live and please the Lord, uh, wh whatever time it is for you, whether it's a time of mourning or a time of, of singing and dancing, Remember, the Lord is in control, and he's testing us, he's guiding us, he loves us, and uh, the future is certainly bright because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So with that, I will say peace and grace to all of you.